Back in 2008, I felt very alone. I felt like I uh, was, in one hand, maybe the only person who was seeing something, something that I wasn't real happy about, uh, something that was a threat to everything I really cared about and believed in. And I felt very alone. Uh, but I also thought, maybe I'm crazy. Like, like maybe I'm, uh, you know, there's something wrong with me, actually. Maybe uh, the things that I'm seeing aren't real. Maybe I have a, a mild form of, uh, of paranoia or I've got uh, some, you know, problem with me that I, I can't see things in, a, in an optimistic or, or happy way. I felt a lot of distress. I felt a lot of anxiety. I had been working for a number of years running my own planning and engineering firm here in central Minnesota. And, and I had been taking the time to tell communities that I worked with how badly things were going. Um, this was the you know gangbuster go-go time in the housing bubble run-up and cities that really had no reason to be experiencing lots of growth were experiencing lots of growth. They were having all kinds of investments take place, um, all kinds of money pour in, uh, developers coming to, uh, you know, build new housing subdivisions and new commercial buildings. Uh, it, it seemed like, you know, it, nothing could go wrong. Like we were like King Midas everywhere we went. Uh, you know, all we had to do was show up and, and people were there, you know, begging for permits, begging for approvals. And amidst all this, amidst all this, you know, apparent prosperity, here was I, like you're the chicken little, you know, running around saying, the sky is falling, the sky's falling. Like, what, what are we doing here? Um, we're going to go broke. We're going to go bankrupt. These are bad investments. These are bad choices. That debt is not a good thing. And I remember um, being very frustrated, very, very frustrated. P part of it was because I was, uh, you know, a borderline fanatic. And I've always appreciated Winston Churchill's definition of a fanatic, someone who can't change their mind and won't change the subject. Uh, when someone is a fanatic and you, you, you all know them, you've all experienced them, uh, they can't change their mind. So you can give them, you know, all kinds of, of counter arguments and counter uh, factuals and, and it won't move them at all. They're stuck in their position. Um, but the thing that makes them fanatic is that they won't change the subject. They also won't move on to something new. This is where I was. I was stuck. And, and, and maybe I was less of the first half. I mean, I certainly was out there looking for counterfactuals and I was desperately trying to find people who could show me how I was wrong and how I was seeing things incorrectly and, and where in my thought process and assumption process I, I was screwing up. Um, but, but I did have a hard time changing the subject. Uh, you know, my wife will tell you we would go on these walks with these, uh, little girls that we had. My, my first daughter was born in 2004, my second in 2007. And we would go on these walks. And I remember my wife saying, we, can we just stop talking about this? And it was so hard for me not to, because I, I couldn't find anyone that I could have the conversation with. Our cities are broke. Our cities are fragile. They're about to fall apart. And no one believed me. I felt very, very alone. 2008 was a, a maddening year for me. It, it was 
deeply stressful uh, with lots of anxiety. I, I watched uh, the subprime market collapse and, and, and understand that I watched the subprime market collapse after my own business had collapsed. I, I knew that we were writing permits on things that were crazy, on developments that didn't make any sense. I think one of the things that was most annoying to me was that I would tell the cities that I work for that, you know, this development doesn't make any sense. And, and by, you know, inference to that, this developer is an idiot. Like this developer doesn't know what he's doing. And they would always look at me and say, you know, who are you? Like this developer has, you know, lots of money on the line. They're taking big risk. You're not. Uh, they should certainly know more than you do. And of course, you know, very soon it would be revealed that they, they didn't, you know, that not only did they, but the banks didn't and, and other people didn't, like lots of people didn't. Nobody got it. Nobody understood. And so in 2008, I was watching the banks fail. I was watching these developers fail. I was watching, uh, you know, people who, who I knew, people in my family uh, have their mortgages reset and not be able to get refinancing and not be able to make the payments. Uh, I watched gas go up over $4 a gallon here locally. Um, I watched a presidential election that, you know, while quaint by today's standards, back then just seemed completely out of sync. And even though, you know, I, I personally uh, liked or at least, um, you know, respected and admired the thoughtfulness of the candidates that we had in both of our major parties in that election, uh, I was frustrated to no end by the fact that not only were they discussing the financial crisis that we were going through in terms that were just completely out of touch with the reality as I saw it, but the things that they supported, the things that they wanted to do, their vision for how to fix this was completely anathema to what I thought needed to be done. After Barack Obama was elected, of course, we got his vision. Uh, we got shovel-ready projects. We got stimulus bills. We got uh, bailouts uh, for, you know, a, a whole bunch of things. I'm not suggesting it would have been different with John McCain. It probably would not have been. It probably would have been the same. So that that's not a partisan insight as much as it is an insight on where I was, very outside of a system, looking in, saying, none of this makes any sense to me. And what didn't make sense at the just core of everything was that the stuff we were building, the stuff that I was part of designing, uh, you know, permitting, constructing, uh, the, the, the whole, you know, assembly of the cities that I was working in, uh, which, which literally was the assembly that I was seeing cities all over North America be built in, uh, financially made no sense at all. Uh, we would invest millions of dollars in infrastructure. We would invest millions of dollars in, in pipes and drainage systems and concrete and, and asphalt. And it, it, we were putting all this money into place. And oftentimes it was all on a, like a wish. Like hopefully someone will show up and make good use of this. Oftentimes it wasn't a wish. Oftentimes we had someone who was there that we were putting this stuff in, in conjunction with, or they were putting it in on our behalf. And then the cities I was working for were taking it over. And you could see, even in the best case scenario, how none of this stuff worked out. How we would get pennies on the dollar of the obligations that we were taking on. My distress was that I didn't see how it worked. 
And my anxiety was over the, re- the, 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 the kind of reality that, you know what, <laughs> maybe I'm a smart guy, maybe I'm not, uh, you know, uh, maybe I've got some insight, maybe I don't. But I never thought that I had more insight than the entire engineering profession or the entire planning profession or the entire banking system or, or, or you know, this myriad of people who, you know, I, if you asked me, like, obviously they knew more than I did. Yet here I was watching it all melt down. Here I was watching all of them be astonished and, and not be able to explain it. Here I was watching this entire system fall apart and, and, and feeling on one hand vindicated and on the other hand, just very, very alone. I say this um, because today we're going through something similar, right? Uh, we're going through a, a, another big meltdown. Um, we are going through a global pandemic, a pandemic that has caused uh, or has been a, a direct factor in uh, the what I would say the pin that is pricking our economic bubble. Uh, others would say has has caused directly caused a, a great depression. I, you know, my version of 1929 and the Great Depression is that you had the 1920s, uh, which was a crazy you know speculative bubble, um, and then you paid for it in the 1930s. Uh, I look at what is going on now as payment for not just a decade of speculation, but really three or, or four decades of the, the craziest insane bubbles uh, that have ever been created in financial markets. You, you look, and I just shared today uh, with my friend Steve Mozan uh, a chart um, you know, we're all very comfortable calling 2000 to 2008 a housing bubble. Uh, you won't even find economists disagreeing with that. They, they, you know, easily call it a housing bubble. Uh, in common vernacular, common people, you know, we would all call it a bubble. Like, you know, no one is going to tweet at me and say, you're an idiot, Chuck. It was not a bubble. Everyone says it was a bubble. We all agree, consensus, it was a housing bubble. Um, the chart I sent to Steve was the Case-Shiller Index. The Case-Shiller Index looks at housing prices in relationship to income or, or essentially our capacity to buy. In uh, 2007, 2008, they were at historic levels, historic, historically out of balance. And the Case-Shiller Index shows today that you know prior to the onset of the pandemic, uh, we were at levels 10%, 20% higher than we were in 2008. We, we've just created another housing bubble. But not only have we created a housing bubble, we created a house, we've, we've created what a lot of people have called the everything bubble, a bubble in everything, everything, everything. Here's the big difference. We're going through this now today together, but we're not going through it alone. Uh, I, I look around and I am at one sense more connected to people, um, being able to write the way that I have, being able to do this podcast, being able to communicate with people in this way ha- has shown me that when I thought I was alone, I was not alone. 
There were other people thinking these things. There were other people uh, digging into these ideas. There were other people struggling with these things the way I was struggling with them. And I was not, I, I was not alone. I felt alone. I didn't know of them. I found them now. I'm not alone. The other thing is, there's a, a deeper understanding now. Um, we've been at this here at Strong Towns for over a decade. Uh, we have built up you know, an audience in the millions. Uh, we have thousands of people who are members of Strong Towns, who are part of the movement to build Strong Towns. There are people standing up in almost every community across North America, ready to talk about these things, re ready to explain why the new big box store on the edge of town is part of a Ponzi scheme, are, are ready to talk about why that new project shouldn't be something we do, ready to discuss why we shouldn't be taking on debt to match that federal project uh, so that we can get you know another mile of pipe or another mile of frontage road, why we shouldn't be handing out subsidies to that developer who's promising you know just a few more jobs than what we could otherwise create on our own. There's people out there having this conversation today all over North America. I can't get up in the morning without my inbox, uh, my Facebook messenger, my Twitter stream being full of people who are telling me their stories, are thanking us at Strong Towns for what we're doing to help them share this message, to help make their path easier to be the change agent. I can't tell you how many people are now running for office and have said, my inspiration is Strong Towns. You are not alone. You're not alone. And as we go through this pandemic together, as we go through this period of uncertainty, this economic upheaval where the, the bubble is burst and, and we have to figure out you know what comes next, all this craziness around us going on, all this uncertainty and we have to figure out what comes next. I want you to know that you're not going to do it alone. You're not going to do it alone because there is a Strong Towns movement, because there are thousands of people, because there's a Strong Towns community site, community.strongtowns.org, where you have hundreds of people who are chatting every day about how to do things in their place, how to do things in their community. You now have access to the Strong Towns Academy, academy.strongtowns.org. You can go there and, and share our Strong Towns 101 with whoever you know that needs to hear it. And they can watch that for free. They can download that course, uh, four and a half hours of, of detailed uh, video and instruction about the Strong Towns message. And let me tell you, uh, as of this moment right here, uh, well over a thousand people have taken that course. Uh, it's been up for less than a month. That is, that is astounding. That is astounding. You are not alone. And, and I'm not alone. We're going to go through this together. We're going to go through it. We're going to figure it out. Uh, we're going to make mistakes, but they're going to be small mistakes. Uh, we're going to correct them. Uh, we're going to continue uh, to try things and adapt and evolve and figure this out. And we are going to lead a bottom-up recovery because that's what we've been set up to do. This is the moment we have been preparing for uh, since, you know, I wrote that first blog post back after the November 2008 election. 
This week is our member drive at Strong Towns. And I, I come to you always in a member drive and ask you to sign up to become a member, to, to go to our website, strongtowns.org, click on the membership button, and uh, sign up to uh, join the Strong Towns movement. I, I want to put a little caveat on this time. I, I know there's a lot of people out there who are struggling. I know there's a lot of you who have lost your jobs or are worried about losing your job. And I know there's a lot of you that, you know, have spouses or what have you that, that have lost their job or have a certain amount of economic insecurity. I'm not asking you to go become a member. If, that, if that's you, um, you, you, you keep doing what you can. You, you share our stuff. You tell others about Strong Towns. Uh, go give us a five-star rating somewhere and, and help the algorithms, you know, get our message out to more people. There's, there's lots of stuff you can do. But if you're in a position right now, we could really use your help. The more members we have, the more support we have, the more people we can reach. Uh, the, 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 the metaphor that I've been using lately or the way that I've been thinking about this in my brain, you know, years ago, I would go to these city council meetings and there would be someone who would show up and, you know, sometimes it was me, um, you know, showing up uh, to, to explain something uh, or talk about something that, you know, was, was, I'm, you know, I was, I was pushing the, uh, pushing the debate in one way or another. Um, But think of like, you know, the lone person who comes and, and stands up. I have this image of my mind of this one woman who showed up once who, didn't want the trees in the park cut down. And, you know, she got up in all good faith and, and earnestness and made her case. Uh, I watched her stand there and, and shake, you know, because she was nervous. Um, you know, the, the city council sits up front and they're a little bit elevated and looking down at you and you have to stand up there in front of all your peers and, and the people in the community and, and say this thing. And she did, and, and she did a, you know, a, a very nice job. Um, but there was no one there to support her. And there were all kinds of people there to question her. Uh, there were all kinds of people ready to, you know, stand up in their official capacity with the city um, or, you know, sitting in the audience and, and push back on the, the very simple, very logical thing that she wanted. And when I think about this movement, I, I think about people like that. Because what I want to have happen is I want them to show up and say, here's what should be done. And I want them to be able to articulate that in the most powerful way they can. That's the language we're sharing. That's, you know, the the, the language that is not encumbered with partisanship with trigger words with with all that that that's the language we're trying to share with people so they can stand up and articulate something very powerfully and then want the people in the room the leaders uh elected officials the appointed officials uh the professional staff even if they're not buying what we're saying here at strong towns even if they're going to be late adopters to the whole project I want them to at least have heard it so that the person who shows up and says, you know, here's my concern, here's my problem, they're not speaking into a void. They're speaking in someone whose brain has at least been primed to know 
that there are issues out there that people care about. There's things out there that I need to be aware of. I, I want them primed for that. And then the third thing I want, and the third thing we're building here at Strong Towns, are people to stand up with that person. People in the community who will automatically support them. People who will hear what they're saying and say, yes, I'm with that. People who also have been exposed to Strong Towns thoughts and Strong Towns ideas. They might not log in every day and read it. They might not listen to the podcast. They might not be obsessive about it the way we all are. Uh, but they've been exposed to it now. They've seen the ideas. They've, they've read the Growth Ponzi Scheme. They've seen one of our videos. They've, they've caught one of our podcast episodes. They've, they've gotten a social media post here or there. And, th- and they're you know, aware of some of these ideas that maybe a decade ago they weren't aware of. And at the very least, their awareness is going to make them not oppose the person who's standing up to talk. It's going to, they're not going to like violently oppose it as crazy or outside the norm because they've, they've heard these ideas now. They know there's something there. But at the very best, they're going to stand up right next to that person who gets up in front of the meeting and says, I want change. And they're going to say, I'm with that person. This is our theory of change. This is what we're trying to accomplish. And by we, I used to say that we, uh, you know, we're trying to accomplish, we are trying to accomplish something. And, and it, it meant me and, and a couple of people who were helping me in the very early days. And then it meant me and a, a couple of people who worked here. And then it meant me and a handful of, of uh, you know, small donors and volunteers. Today, when I say we, I'm talking about me, a staff here at Strong Towns, and literally thousands of people around the world uh, who have signed up to support us, uh, to help us get this message in front of more and more people. It's working. It's working, friends. And I want you to know as we kick off our member drive this week that you are not alone. Uh, You are not alone. And if you want to help others be not alone, Go sign up and become a member today. Just take a moment, go to strongtowns.org, click on become a member, sign up, and, uh, and help us grow this movement, help us reach more people, uh, help us create more of these people who are not afraid to stand up. We need them now more than ever. This is an important time for us, an important time for our movement, an important time for this entire conversation. So thanks, everybody. Uh, keep doing what you can to build a strong town. And of course, uh, if you've not been with us for a member drive, uh, you're going to get our member drive music now. Uh, this inspired by my daughter when she was very little, who when she heard this song, she said, Dad, this is what you do. And I'm like, oh, kid, I love that. So uh, let's do what we can to keep getting stronger. If what I am is what's in me, then I'll stay strong, that's who I'll be. And I will always be the best me that I can be. There's only one me, I admit. Have a dream, I'll follow it. It's up to me to try. Oh, I'ma keep my head up high. Keep on reaching high. Never gonna quit, I'll keep it stronger. And nothing's gonna bring me down. Never gonna stop, gotta go Because I know I'll keep getting stronger And what I am